Welcome to the Broadcast Dialogue Podcast, the show all about the media industry in Canada. Matt Condal is likely familiar to many of you as the host of the Sound Off Podcast. He also works with other podcasts under the banner of his Sound Off Media Company, including this one going forward to help us monetize and leverage our traffic. If you've been paying attention, as of this week, the Broadcast Dialogue podcast is now hosted by Art19 and features pre-roll advertising. If you're a podcaster or you're thinking of getting into podcasting, this episode is for you. Matt covers lessons learned, why patience is a requirement in the podcasting biz, and the viability of making money as a podcaster. I want you to go all the way back to your first memories of radio and maybe audio in general, and then venture into your career in radio and how that got started. Wow. Considering I'm turning 50 at the end of the week, that's going to be quite the answer to this question. Happy birthday. Thank you. I, I, you know, I think it all goes back to, you know, just falling in love with radio in the 1970s and growing up on CKGM in Montreal and then later on Shome and uh, just falling in love with radio and, and, and music and records. And my parents always had records around the house. So uh, there was always lots to listen to and lots to love about, about audio. And by the time I was 18, I, I desperately wanted to get into radio and, and that's pretty much what happened. I went to Acadia University to study political science and got on CKIC, which was the college radio station. About a year later, found myself at Magic 97 in Kenfield, Nova Scotia. I just sent off a demo tape and was hired to do Sunday mornings on the station. I got two hours where they would let me talk between 6 and 8 in the morning. And then after that, I was going to be relegated to operating tapes. And that one shift a week, I was going to call that my summer job. And, of course, I got some extra shifts out of that. And it was, it was quite exciting. That was summer of 1989 that I did that. And that's where my radio career started and went for 25 years, went from uh, Kenfield, Nova Scotia. We went to do all nights on Shome in Montreal for a part of the 90s and then went out to Edmonton to 100.3 The Bear, which is, I guess, had been going for two years. And I began to run into the likes of, you know, Jeff Woods and and so many other, uh, you know, staff, Terry Evans I got to work with. And, and then I paired up with uh, Jake Daniels, and we did Afternoon Drive right through till 2002. I went back to Showman, Montreal, and got a chance to work with Blair Bartram, Rob Ray, Terry DeMonte. Did that until 2006 and got my first programming job at Power 97 in Winnipeg and did that for eight years. And well, that was it. I just had that one programming job. And then in 2014, started the uh, Sound Off Media Company which at first was going to be doing a lot of work with radio, but then I discovered podcast and more and more work began to happen in, in the podcast world and a little bit less in radio. We still work with radio groups, um, but we're working more and more with podcasters now. And now we find ourselves in 2020 and uh, the company is uh, going to be enjoying its fifth year. So was the podcast progression, was, was that just sort of the natural order of the way things were going, or what, what led to your interest in podcasting? In 2015, I went fishing with my cousin, and he told me about this podcast conference that was going on in Dallas, and I said, really? That's a thing? And 
it turns out that it was, and I, I missed it because I'd gone fishing. I didn't even know it existed. And I made a promise to myself, I'm going to go the next year. And the next year in 2016, it was in Chicago. And by that time, I'd already doing, I was already doing the conference circuit. I'd gone to Canadian Music Week. I'd also gone to uh, the Conclave in Minneapolis and had lots of great connections in radio. But then when I got to the podcast movement, I saw so many people. There was microphones. There was audio all over the place. It had a different vibe. We go to radio conventions, and it's very tribal. A lot of people keep their best ideas in their back pocket. Everyone's worried about what they're going to share and who's going to be stealing from whom that week. That's not what I found in the podcast world. It was everybody sharing. It was everybody swapping ideas, offering to help. And I said, well, I've got to start a podcast. So somewhere in between when I went to the Conclave in 2016, uh, which is a radio conference in Minneapolis, and then I went to Chicago, I think the very next week, I I launched the Sound Off podcast. And I didn't know exactly what I wanted to do. I wanted to talk about something that I knew a lot of, and that, and that was radio. And I wanted to talk with the people that I know, and that's people in radio. So this is, this is really was the genesis of the whole thing. The conclave in Minneapolis is really about learning. It's a lot of you know, veterans of radio talking to young people and sharing. You leave your ego at the door, and you work with young people, and, and they can ask you questions. And it's quite warm and wonderful. And I thought, how do I bottle this every week? And... I thought I could do this for 52 weeks. I could bring somebody on and we'll talk about radio experiences. We'll talk about what works, what doesn't work. And we branched out from there. It didn't necessarily have to be radio, but it was also podcasts. And I really wanted to introduce my radio friends to this wonderful world of podcasting and sort of, you know, explore the possibilities. So the goal of my, the sound off podcast every week has really been about finding the intersection between broadcast and podcast. Where is it and where does it overlap and what best practices can we use from both? to make both radio and podcast better. So of all the guests you've had on, and, and you've had quite a few, I don't know if you want to talk about some of them, but who is your favorite or your best get? Jeez, you know, that's, that's large because you, you just ask. And it may be that the best is yet to come, but you just ask and try. And I think I've been most excited about having Broadway Bill Lee on, and I think that was somewhere in, in the, you know, 53, 54, if I'm just going to recall the numbers. And I was most excited because I had seen him on Art Volo video air checks. You know, so in 19, summer of 1989 and 1990, I would send away to Art Volo and he would send me a videotape and I'd buy it for like, you know, 25 bucks. And there were other DJs performing on video. There was no YouTube back then. There was nothing, nothing like that at all. So this is how we got into contact and said, well, wow, that's amazing. Radio is an amazing world that we can see how these performers act in, in Chicago and San Francisco. And in Bill Lee's case, it was uh, in New York City. And to have Bill come on the podcast, I thought that was really exciting. I'd seen sort of the very beginning of how I was exposed to radio and it sort of come full circle with Bill showing up in this podcast. But it was also exciting to get Christopher Ward from Much Music. There's somebody else, you know, from the 1980s. And, you know, even people that I've crossed paths with a number of times, you know, Steve Anthony and that entire Much Music vibe uh, that, that was going on. And then, of course, Art Volo, who's radio's best friend, who was the person who supplied so many disc jockeys with so many of these of these tapes. I'm also very proud of episode 100, which I did with my former co-host, Jake Daniels, from The Bear. And I put together a three-and-a-half-hour episode just on the, the five years we had spent together. You know, it was just fun to reminisce and, and, and go back to that period where we would do afternoon drive and, and be a team every day. 
So I treat every episode as the best episode ever. Every week it's, you know, that episode is the best one ever. You live with it for a week and you, you try to bottle it up and put it out there and make people, you know, I, I don't want to say we're bigging people up, but I don't want anybody to feel bad for anything that goes out. We don't get into anything controversial. We'll ask hard questions, but we're not here to make anybody feel uncomfortable. And I think that's really the way podcast listening is. It's not a, a negative experience where we, we want to have a discourse going into people's ears because it's a, it's a warm and personal space and the listener needs to feel comfortable when they listen to it. I think most podcasts, including this one, are a work in progress. How has your perspective changed on the medium since you started podcasting? Oh, this is definitely a work in progress. It feels like a book that's never, uh, never going to end. I think the first, there are little stages with just about every podcast that you go through, and mine was no exception. After the first four episodes, I realized that I needed some help and I needed somebody to to produce the show because the audio really wasn't the way I wanted it to sound. So I enlisted uh, Evan Serminski, who's been helping me with the audio on these these shows every week, making sure that it comes out uh, nicely. Get to another point around episode 20 where... You make a few more changes. Maybe you add some imaging. Maybe you take some out. One of the things I learned was that very long intros don't work. People like to skip past that and just get to the meat and the bones of the interview that they've downloaded. So trying to quicken that up. And there's still so much room for improvement. I, I'm, I'm working on the sound every week, uh, trying to make it a little bit better and make it sound you know, nice in people's ears and not be too loud. And I've taken some advice over the years to, to get me there. I, I think the biggest change for... The podcast came at the end of 2017 when we moved off SoundCloud and and began to work with Art19 and Dynamic Ad Insertion, which really allowed the podcast to monetize on both sides of the border. We've we've got clients. We are one of our Canadian clients, for instance, is NLogic, and you know it doesn't do anybody any good down in the states to get an NLogic ad because it's not a service they can buy. But, you know, when we worked with Art19 with the dynamic ad insertion, the NLogic ad can now just run in Canada. And that, of course, leaves some additional inventory to to run in the States. And then I thought, you know, here's here's now the ability to monetize this podcast. And so that's kind of where I, I began to get really interested and go, oh, OK, this is a thing. And you say to yourself, OK, well, what else can we do? And so then there's pre-rolls and then there's mid-rolls. And, you know, I, I, I kind of thought and tinkered for a bit. You know, maybe we can put out a tin cup and see if people will donate. But we really do think that this is an advertising-based podcast and uh, the industry, you know, can be involved with it and, and participate in, in, in being successful with it. So let's, let's dive a little deeper into monetization because that's one of the things you're going to help broadcast dialogue with is monetizing this podcast. What's the reality of making money as an independent podcaster in Canada? We're definitely seeing a lot of former broadcasters jump into this space. At this point, is it a hobby or, or is podcasting viable? Well, it's very viable. It really depends on, on your perspective about what you're doing. So, for instance, for the Sound Off podcast, I look at it a little bit as, as marketing and that every week I'm occupying some space with people when people are thinking about my company and, and what I'm doing and the podcast space. I, I think that's worth something. I can make enough money to to pay for all the toys that go on and, and have a little bit left over at the end of the month for some marketing tools. Again, that money will get remarketed into it. But, you know, for many people out there, there are podcasts that are, that are making millions. There are some making six figures. There's some making 
uh, enough to pay for some for some bills around the company. And for some people, it's the car payment or uh, a cup of coffee, as it were. It really sort of depends on the on the path that you take. But it's breaking rocks every week. You know, you have to you have to build it. It's a slow build. So for me and monetization, the way I looked at it, the first thing I needed to do was get off SoundCloud. And this is no knock against SoundCloud if you're using it. That, that's, that's fine. However, it doesn't count metrics. It's not IAB certified for counting metrics. It's full of bots. And as somebody who's been analyzing audience data for many years, it's very difficult to know how your podcast is doing if you don't know if the person at the other end is real or not. So I think it's really important to work with an IAB certified uh, podcast host, or at least have access to to those numbers uh, so you can see how your your podcast is performing. Once you have those numbers, you can start to to build a little bit every week. And I know that we talk in in podcast terms about what the CPM rate is. It's at 20, you know, somewhere between 25 to $34 Canadian. Uh, That's fine and all, but there are so many podcasters out there who, who offer so much more. They've got strong Instagram accounts. They've got great uh, e-newsletters that go out every week. You're, you've got great uh, you know, analytics with Google, and people are making contact with you in so many different ways. You know, you've got to be able to aggregate all that stuff together and, and come up with your number yourself about what your value is worth, and then sell it to a client. You know, it's going to be harder and harder for podcasters to start playing the game of, of you know, being at the size of how stuff works or. Joe Rogan or, or any of those things because, you know, they say, well, you need 10,000 downloads in order to start monetizing. Well, well that number is going to keep going up over the next little while. So if you're just starting out, you know, this idea of going, oh, I, I'm going to get 10,000 downloads in the first month and hopefully make a go of it. You don't need to do that. You don't need a big audience. You need the right audience. So what's your podcast about? And can you zero into that niche and make sure that the right people are listening to your podcast? Because 10,000 downloads is going to be very hard to get to unless, of course, you've got you know some, some additional media power or marketing money behind you. So I like to work with podcasters that have these audiences, that have these, these niche followings, and can turn that into, into dollars and, and ads. So who are some of the podcasters coming to you and, and what kind of help are they looking for? A lot of them want to launch a podcast. That's, that's one thing. That's almost a little bit harder than the other type of person who comes to me who says, I want to grow the podcast. So I've had a few people come to me. They're about 50 episodes in and they say, we need a boost and we need to, to take this, this upward. So sometimes that involves changing a podcast host. Sometimes that involves just a few tweaks. Sometimes it involves... Uh, providing the right sales sheets and connecting them to the right clients in order for them to to make a sale. So a couple of examples that come to mind, I look at Leanne Lang, who I've been working with for about a year, and I think was very confused over the numbers and the analytics that she was working with over the time. And she was, you know, she was on SoundCloud for a while. And that can be, you know, quite fuzzy. And we leveled it off. We made sure it was a long game. We don't look at numbers every week. We try to look at the numbers and the growth every quarter instead. Um, we want to look at 30 days. We want to look at 90 days. And we also love working with podcasters who have the evergreen content and a back catalog where people are going to listen to and enjoy episode two as much as they're going to enjoy episode 200. 
So we worked with Leanne for a year and we watched her, her podcast, you know, skyrocket quite nicely over a year. She's now in the process of, of surpassing those 10,000 downloads, which we all find very magical. But at the same time, we're looking for the right clients to pair up with her to make her podcast grow to the next level. And I know it's a very cliche term, but it's, it's a long game. It, it really is. There's no magic bullet for creating some wild... Uh, jump in the numbers and get that hockey stick growth. And, and you know what? Sometimes it does happen. Maybe you get the right guest and maybe Apple puts you in, in the right spot and there's there's a great connection. But more than likely, that's not going to happen. And, you know, we want to see growth every week and just, just a little bit every week. And if you grow it in over a year, the next thing you know, you've got something that you can monetize. Someone else that I've just started working with as well is, is Jeff Woods. And he's had his podcast for a couple of years now. And we were at a point where we could uh, give it a little bit of a renovation, clean it up, and uh, make it into a monetizable uh, space. He's actually going to be relaunching uh, a few other components. I know he's building a studio. I don't know if you wanted me to mention that anyway, but I mentioned it. And so sorry, Jeff, if that's the case. But he's got some exciting things planned for the uh, for for this year. And one of those things was taking that step to monetize the podcast, put some mid rolls and some pre rolls in. And I, you know, the key here is dynamic ad insertion. You get to episode 50 or you get to episode 75 and there's people who are going back and downloading earlier episodes of your podcast, but you have an old ad in there or you don't have any ad in there at all. And it's it's okay to go in there and, and get the dynamic ad insertion and buy that service and, and get some credit and monetize those those old podcasts. So let's say you're starting from scratch and you know you had a time machine, Matt, and you could go back and you know, start from square one with a fresh slate, what would you do differently? If I had to start my podcast all over again, first thing I would have done was made sure I had a producer right away because that, that made a huge difference. I don't know if I'd want to go and do it all over again necessarily because I really enjoyed all the mistakes I made because it caused me to learn uh, so much along the way. But I do see that, that there are some, some trappings that you can get involved with when you start out. It's important that your podcast is everywhere. And and by everywhere, meaning put it up on Stitcher and you want to be able to put it up on Spotify. You want to make sure that you get it on Apple, of course. A lot of people like to do a launch, and but you can't really launch your podcast until Apple gives you the go-ahead. And you don't really know when that is because you're not approved until Apple says th- that you're approved. If I look back at 2016, I don't know if I would do a whole lot differently because we didn't really have as many tools. The technology that's gone into podcast in the last, you know, four and a half, five years is is just incredible. Uh, whether that's, you know, having podcast hosts that, that can separate out the episode numbers and put them in the right place. Uh, we're beginning to see credits now being instituted. Um, there's great services now like Squadcast where people can get together, kind of like Skype, record the podcast. And it's just become so much easier in the last four years now to do a a podcast. And we've talked a little bit about Anchor on my show before, and it's, that's not a podcast host I would recommend because it's free, but it's okay. Because if you don't have the money for a podcast host, Anchor is perfectly fine. If you want to go and put your podcast up there, they make it really, really easy. And that's not something that was there before. Podcasting in 2016, 2011, and 2004 they were a lot harder than they are in 2020. And I think we're beginning to see how easy it is now with the number of podcasts that are out there. There's 800 podcasts being added every day and 900,000 of them now in the uh, in the Apple Podcast Library. 
I don't know if you saw the latest conversion rates from Claritis that were released late last week, but it puts podcast listener conversion around 34% more likely to buy. That's significantly higher than pretty much any other medium. Do you think podcast advertising has been undervalued? I think we're just beginning to discover its power. I don't think it's necessarily been undervalued. I just think we're all a little bit surprised at at how people are reacting to podcast ads. Again, there's just there we haven't scaled the whole thing. We haven't built the whole thing yet to really figure out its entire power, but I'm certainly not surprised by that number. When you consider that people are entrenched and ingrained and are actively downloading the show in order to listen to it, they're generally a fan. There's a lot of trust involved. They know what they're doing when they when they commit to it. And it's just, it's completely different than radio. And if I just go and turn on the radio station, maybe I'll flip it a couple times and get on this channel and I'll hear an ad. And I think that's fine, but it's not the same sort of engagement as when you're downloading and and how much you trust and listen to to a podcast. It's quite interesting the way that people will interact with with podcasts. It's a solo experience generally. It's a solo listening experience with 91% of most podcasts being consumed just by one person. It's quite an intimate experience, and I'm not surprised to hear that, that podcast ads are that powerful. So what are you listening to on the regular podcast wise? What really gets you excited about the medium? Oh, this is going to sound so nerdy. This is, this is actually completely sad to say, but uh, podcasts about other podcasts because I'm just so interested in, in in all the changes that are going on in the business. So for me, I love listening to the new media show with Rob Greenlee and, and Todd Cochran. Todd works at Blueberry and, and Rob now works at Libsyn. And the two of them have been getting together for many years to talk about what's going on in the podcast space. So I, I get a lot of my news from there. Um, I love waking up with uh, Pod News every morning with James Cridlin. That's on my smart smart speaker. And as well, the feed with uh, Rob Walsh from and Elsie Escobar from Lipson. They do that every two weeks. And I really get a, a lot of podcast news coming from that. It won't surprise you, though, that at the same time at night when I go to bed, I'm listening to The Herd with Colin Cowherd. That's uh, where I get my sports fix. I listen to that throughout the football season. It's repurposed radio. It's actually perfect because the way he does his show just makes for great repurposed radio. Once in a while, I'm going to listen to PTI, pardon the interruption. Uh, should I miss that show? There's 22 minutes in there that, that I'll grab often before bed. And um, after that, I mean, most of the other podcasts I've listened to, YOY, which came out of Panoply in New York, was a favorite of mine. It was uh, done with Andrea Salenzi back, but it's now pod faded. Or at least she says she sort of stopped it for the last little while, but it was really about a dating singles uh, podcast in New York. And I, th- I think if you look at, you know, who are my podcast heroes, I, I just love Andrea and the work she did on that, on that podcast. I love the writing. I love the audio. And that podcast really taught me how powerful podcasts can be and how you can use and intertwine the sounds and have this experience be- between the ears. I thought that was a, that was a great podcast. I'm glad you brought up radio because coming from both worlds, there is often criticism about radio's foray into the podcast space. Do you have thoughts on that, Matt? I have lots of thoughts on that. (laughs) Some are doing it well. Some are not doing it well. Uh, A lot of radio companies are not very patient. 
And because they're not patient, they're trying to scale it right away and they're putting out a lot of bad podcasts. And there are some companies who are being very patient about it and putting out the right podcasts and really looking to people in the podcast space for how things are done and they're going to have success. But for the companies out there that are trying to, you know, get to the finish line and make this thing work within the first year, you know, it's not going to happen. When I work with a client, I often tell them this is going to take two years minimum before we can really see, you know, how this is going to go. And I have this sort of silly rule. The silly rule is we're not allowed to talk about monetization for the first year of the podcast. So if you're launching a podcast, we do not talk about money for year one. And that's really, really hard for people because I've had a lot of radio owners come up to me and say, well, when can I start you know, making money with this thing? I said, well, when we find out about the audience you have, but we just started. So it's, it's going to take some time. And, you know, we know who's, who's doing it well. We know who's, who's you know, patient and, and building it up. And those who are impatient are going to have some struggles. I mentioned this earlier, and I know it's cliche. It's a long game, and you have to be patient with with podcasts because you're growing from zero. And we're so used to it in radio of of launching, and we're going to have you know a million people cueing us by the end of the week with this big launch. And that's not how it works in podcasting. Everybody starts with zero. That's the other thing, by the way. When we, you know, when you start this this podcast in particular, when this show started, we had the most listeners. You know. Hopefully this conversation has been interesting enough that people are still listening to it, you know, but it's generally declining as it goes. And that's not the way radio works. Radio generally works as that, you know, 7.15 or 8.15 is the biggest quarter hour and, you know, it peaks and then it drops and people come in and they go, that's not the way it works in podcasts. It starts and you got to hold them. Is there any note you want to end on, Matt? I just can't believe that I've been doing this for as long as I have. And I want to thank everybody for, <laughs> you know, who's, who's, you know, ever, you know, retweeted or shared or, or done anything. I, I think, you know, involving the podcast or um, and anybody who's even gotten to the end of this podcast. Thanks a lot for, for listening to the end. I, I think it's uh, this is we're talking about people's time. And, you know, what, what is podcast biggest competition? Well, it's, it's probably sleep. Uh, and I think we have to really look at, you know, this being podcasting is really about a commitment of people's time and how they commit to you and how they commit to your show every week. So I want to say thanks to the listener. Thanks for joining us, Matt. Well, thanks for having me, Connie. I really appreciate it. Thanks for listening to Broadcast Dialogue. For more information about the podcast or to receive exclusive access to our weekly briefing about the Canadian media industry, visit us at broadcastdialogue.com. Don't forget to like us on Facebook, connect with us on LinkedIn, and follow us on Twitter and SoundCloud. I'm Matt Kundle, host of the Sound Off Podcast the show about podcast and broadcast. Since 2016, we've been speaking with amazing people who have populated your ears for decades. Legendary broadcasters, research wizards, talent experts, podcasters, voice talent, almost 400 stories, all for free. Subscribe or follow the Sound Off Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or at soundoffpodcast.com.